0: Welcome to ANKERD 11 and 11, the podcast where in 11 minutes or less, we teach you something you didn't know about KBG syndrome and mutations in the ANKERD 11 gene. With March 26th being International Epilepsy Awareness Day, we thought now would be the good time to discuss seizures in KBG syndrome. In a recent poll conducted in the KBG syndrome family group, 39% of respondents stated that they had experienced one or more seizures. Uh, 5% had only experienced one, and the remainder of 50% said that they had not, to the best of their knowledge, seen or experienced a seizure. Now, uh, the reason I qualify it with to the best of their knowledge is because we're taught that seizures are these big tonic-clonic things, what's formerly known as grand mal seizures, where somebody's, you know, got rhythmic contractions, they're completely unaware, sometimes they lose their bowel, sometimes they lose their bladder control. That's what we think of when we think of seizure. But there's more subtle seizures um, that are easy to overlook. So an avisantin seizure looks to most people like a daydreaming event, right? There's somebody staring off into nothing, um, they're still sitting upright or they're still laying down, but they're just not interacting like they normally do, and they're very quiet. Um, that could be an absence seizure, especially if the person comes to and doesn't remember it happening. Uh, one of the tests we like to do when our son, we think our son is having an absence seizure, is we try to touch his eyeball. We don't actually touch his eyeball, but The automatic response for most humans is to close their eyes to protect their eye from anything that gets in it. So if we get to his eyelashes and he doesn't respond, we know that he's having an absence seizure and we make sure that he stays safe. That's really the only thing you can do in a seizure is make sure that the person is safe and doesn't get hurt while they're experiencing the seizure. Another type of seizure that most people are unfamiliar with is called a partial seizure, where only part of the brain is actively seizing, so only part of the body is responding to that event. So a lot of times um, in our son, a partial seizure would be him straightening his leg. Uh, He'll just sort of tighten up, um, only his right leg, and then after a few minutes, he relaxes. Um, I've seen partial seizures in people where they uh, were trying to speak, but they couldn't speak, and they were trying to hold a pencil, but they couldn't grab the pencil. Um, there's many different types of partial seizures. When it's important to note that in the partial seizure, um, it's apparent that something is neurologically going on, but it's not always recognized as a seizure. Another type of seizure that's not well recognized is the atonic seizure. Um, atonic means without tone. so you literally would have somebody that's just sitting on the chair and then just sort of collapses Um, or somebody that's walking and they just fall down Um, it's when you actually watch it happen it's very apparent that that person is offline they don't try to put their hands up they don't try to stop in any way shape or form they're not grabbing at anything they literally just plant on the ground. The, The types of seizures that almost always get overlooked are myoclonic seizures, just sudden jerk. I cannot tell you how many times we've been with our boy and he'll have a myoclonic seizure while he's holding his toy and he'll end up throwing the toy and someone will correct him. And I'll explain to him, no, he was having a myoclonic seizure, just sudden jerk of the arms or a sudden jerk of the legs. So another type of not well recognized seizure is a gelastic seizure. So gelastic seizures are just sudden bouts of laughter for no apparent reason. Um, We see them in our boy whenever he gets Miralax. Uh, It's not a recognized side effect of Miralax, but for him, it kicks off gelastic seizures. Having now talked about some of the types of seizures, what do you do if you suspect that one of those things is a possible seizure? Well, the first thing that I always recommend to people is to video it. It sounds cruel, I know, it's not though, because when you go into the neurologist and you tell them that you think your child is having seizures, they ask you what it's like. That video is the best way to show them exactly what happened, and then they'll look at it and usually um, move right on into an EEG. Now I say usually because there are some doctors, especially if they're not neurologists, um, that will look at it and go, "Oh, that's just." Um, Because we don't actually teach epilepsy recognition or seizure recognition as a standard in medical school. Um, It's a specialty. So because it's a specialty, you really should go to a specialist. So if you suspect seizures, video them, get an appointment with a neurologist or get your pediatrician to refer you to a neurologist. You really want to see a neurologist. Uh, they will recognize the more subtle seizures that can occur. Um, So you've videoed it, you've got the appointment with the neurologist, and they're going to order an EEG. Important thing to know is that in KBG syndrome, the EEG is oftentimes already abnormal. Okay, That doesn't mean seizure. That just means there's a different brainwave pattern to the KBG patient. We expect a certain brainwave pattern in the typical population. We see slight alterations in that pattern in the KBG population, with or without seizures. So, if you're going to have an EEG, you need to capture one of these neurological events or one of these things that you suspect is a neurological event. So, how do you do that? They give you a one. When they give you a one-hour EEG and you don't have a seizure, you get. Uh, ambulatory EEG or an overnight EEG. Now, what I like about the ambulatory EEGs is let's say that there's a light in your house that has a flicker to it, and that's a trigger. So it will trigger a seizure or some sort of neurological event. You won't catch that if you're in a hospital prone watching television. The ambulatory EEG is about as accurate now as the in hospital EEGs. And the great part about them is that people are going about their daily activities and you can now say, well, this is what the brain was doing when, you can see what happens as you're doing these things, right? So I'm a big believer in ambulatory. (laughs) EEGs. So you get the EEG back and the doctor declares that it is a typical EEG or as typical as we can expect in KBG syndrome. Fantastic, you now have a baseline. The baseline means it is the expected normal for that patient, right? Anything that deviates from that baseline can be called an unexpected result, and you can address it. So you get the EEG back, and it's abnormal, and you did capture a seizure. What then? All the things that I've said here today, I need you to remember this. In KVG syndrome, patients with seizures usually respond very well to treatment. It's only a small subset of the population that has what's called refractory or intractable epilepsy, and that just means difficult to treat, difficult to manage. Uh, there are alternatives to medications. There are you know, diet changes that sometimes help. Um, there are surgical interventions that sometimes help. You will have to discuss that with your doctor once you verify that seizure has happened. But again, the important thing to remember, most KBG patients respond very well to treatment. Okay? So we bring this up because March 26th is International Epilepsy Awareness Day. And because there have been a few questions in the family group, and we want to try to put your mind at, at, at ease over that by giving you the information to say, I think we need to investigate this further so that we can treat it as soon as possible so that we can stop these things from happening and we can go about progression. Um, So I equate getting an epilepsy diagnosis to getting a diabetes diagnosis. You know, you're going to have to change something in your life. You know, you're probably going to need medication. You might need to change your diet. You definitely have to take precautions. Yet we don't approach epilepsy the same way as we do diabetes. Why is that? Because seizures are scary. And as scary as they are, it doesn't really change the person that's experiencing them. They don't know that they've had it. So you need to be their biggest advocate when that seizure is happening. You need to make sure that you're comfortable in keeping them safe. Uh, Having information about what to look for is always a good thing, especially with a neurological event. Um, And especially when somebody is as vulnerable as they are when they are in seizure. Um, People need to know that they're safe if they're going to have a seizure. And if you don't know that the seizure is happening, you can't take the extra precaution. If you and, and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. I will always be here to help. Um, epilepsy is something that I'm entirely comfortable with. So don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to say seizure. And uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'm always here to help. So until next time, this has been Ankerity 11 in 11, and I'm Annette Monsing. I'll see you next time.